Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Money for the Rest of Us. This is a personal finance show on money, how it works, how to invest it, and how to live without worrying about it. I'm your host, David Stein. Today is episode 256. It's titled, Will Artificial Intelligence Change Investing? Artificial intelligence, AI, the term gets thrown out a lot in many different domains, that how it's going to change the world, how it's changing industry, potentially how it's changing investing. There are stock research services that you can subscribe to that help you pick stocks based on artificial intelligence. There's ETFs that do the same thing. We'll take a look at both in this episode. But first, what is artificial intelligence? I like this definition by Radu Rasia. It's from Free Code Camp. He writes, artificial intelligence is the replication of human intelligence in computers. One of the things humans are good at is recognizing complex patterns and using those patterns to make decisions. Artificial intelligence does that. One way it does that is with machine learning, which Rasia describes as, it's the ability of a machine to learn using large data sets instead of hard-coded rules. These data sets are used to train computers. This machine learning is about predictive algorithms, the ability to forecast what's going to happen based on data. Now, there's two types of artificial intelligence. One is a rules-based system. You have an input, and then it produces an output. And humans are very involved in designing it. And these systems are easier to understand because they show how how do you get from point A to point B. And that was some of the original artificial intelligence. The second type is much more revolutionary and frankly, much more complicated. It's called deep learning. It involves neural networks, artificial neural networks, essentially replicating aspects of our brain. We have multiple nodes and they're connected, hidden layers. These systems aren't necessarily able to explain how they got the answer or the relationship. They're extremely complex and they're they're based on math very much a black box. I recently finished a book by David Weinberger called Everyday Chaos. He wrote, deep learning's algorithms work because they capture better than any human can the complexity, fluidity, and even beauty of a universe in which everything affects everything else all at once. The scale and connectedness of machine learning results in their complexity. The connections among the huge number of pieces can sometimes lead to chains 
of events that end up widely far from where they started. Tiny differences can cause these systems to take unexpectedly sharp turns. We don't use these technologies because they are huge, connected, and complex. We use them because they work. Now, what are some examples of AI? Well, risk management. Companies use artificial intelligence to predict credit risk when making a loan to decide whether the counterparty will default or not. Now, there's definitely some rules in place for how they can go about doing that. Finance, identifying fraud. Trading algorithms, something we're going to talk about in today's episode. Using AI to figure out which stocks to buy. Retail, we're one of the earliest users of artificial intelligence as they fed it these systems, these machine learning systems, a huge amount of data to figure out who's going to buy what and what are the connections. A consumer might buy this particular product and they find that when they buy that, they often buy a different product. It might not have anything to do with it. Not necessarily a logical connection, but that's what these AI systems can figure out, these complex patterns. Technology using email filtering. Healthcare, the ability of these deep learning systems to figure out whether somebody is likely to get a particular disease or not. Automobile industry, self-driving cars, is very much founded in artificial intelligence. Now, how do these machine learning systems work? I found an article by Farhad Malik. It was on Medium, and his blog is on fintech. And he described how a machine learning system works. He outlined six steps. The first is to gather the data. You need a lot of data, particularly for these neural network type machine learning systems. Data needs to be good. So the, the, how good the model is depends on the quality and the quantity of the data. So you have this large data set and you need to figure out, step two is learn he says, learn and understand the data to figure out the trends and patterns. So you have some idea about the data. And then you build a model that understands the data and makes decisions on the data. And you feed the model about 70 to 80% of the sample data. This is called the training data. Then you validate the model to see if it works with the remaining data. That's the test data. Step six is you repeat it. Based on the results, you repeat it to try to make it better. There's two types of model building when it comes to artificial intelligence. One is supervised learning. You have an algorithm, you give it certain inputs, you might tag the data, you might label the data, then you instruct, here's what the output should be. So it's very much a process guided by humans. This is how many of the stock market prediction AI systems work. They're based on certain factors. So the the AI is trying to determine which stocks are more likely to go up. And the data input could be value in terms of fundamental data. Is it cheap or not? What about trend, the momentum? Is it is the price going up? The quality. So that's the first type. It's supervised learning. The second type of model building is unsupervised learning, where inputs are given, but you don't define the outputs. Example, there's retail and e-commerce where they're figuring out, all right, what is the consumer likely to buy or where are the connections between what is bought 
versus other things bought. But there's not necessarily a logical relationship between the different inputs. Here's how Farhad Malik puts it. Unsupervised learning is like performing a task that you have not experienced before. And you start the experience by gathering as much information as possible. Imagine learning a language without knowing the basics of the language. So you have supervised learning, you have unsupervised learning, and a third type is what's known as reinforcement learning. That is used mainly for like robots or games, so very much a a defined problem, and they learn by doing. There was an interesting table by Malik in this blog post that I'll link to, where he contrasts supervised learning versus unsupervised. The supervised is guided, unsupervised is unguided. In supervised, the algorithm is taught who is what for a large number of times, whereas unsupervised is more focused on patterns and structures that are observed in the data. In the supervised, the data categories are known. So you have known inputs, known outputs, whereas unsupervised, the data categories are unknown. In supervised, the input data is given with target results during learning. Unsupervised, inputs are given without expected outputs. Supervised, teacher of supervised learning algorithms is the data set. So you're learning from the data set. Whereas for unsupervised, the machine is what is learning and teaching over time. And so you need large set of data in order to train it. These deep learning neural network algorithms take a long time to train. It requires a large amount of data. It's used for both supervised and unsupervised. But you effectively, it's like the brain. You have all these nodes and neurons that receive input. But you have an input layer. And then you have these hidden layers. These hidden layers, each layer, the system learns more deeply from the previous layer. And then you have the output layer. You have all these multiple connections. And just like the brain, we have the neurons activated or they fire up. There's what's known as an activation function, a mathematical function within the the neural network. And it's based on, and I looked at, I tried to understand it in terms of how these activation functions work. And there are many different types. It all is very complex math. What it's trying to do is trying to solve a particular problem extremely complicated problem, but it learns kind of by doing. And probably the best example I could find was on YouTube. There's a YouTube video by the channel is called Gigante. And they were using neural networks to teach a simulated racing car. So it was like a, a little, these little cars on the screen were trying to navigate a track, a racetrack with multiple turns. And the inputs there were just seven of them. There were five spatial or distance inputs, so it could figure out where it was on the track so it didn't run into the wall. And then there was the current speed and the direction. So that was the input. They set up this neural network with several hidden layers, and the output ultimately was to be able to navigate the course. So they had 650 cars, and they would do round one, and the cars would run into the wall, and they just wouldn't get anywhere. But some got a little further, were able to navigate at least one turn. So that car became the new parent car, and they would run it again through the neural network. Each time, it would get a little better. 
on the video, it said that AI, it was a quote, doesn't know it's driving cars. It's not aware of the track or the effect of its choices. It just accepts seven numbers as input, speed, direction, and five distances. But it's not aware of what they represent. And you can watch the video and they go through a series of rounds and where by the end, the car is able to navigate. But you look at the comments and the first comment is, the track should have been regenerated for each generation to avoid overfitting. The idea that, well, maybe it learned because of this particular data set, but as soon as you change the track, it wouldn't do as well. I mean, there are some challenges with these deep learning systems in that it depends on the quality of the data. And if the data, for example, has biases in it, let's say it's a database that's trying to, or an AI system that's trying to figure out who would be the best person for a job. But the data set used was those that had been hired in the past. And in the past, it had been mostly men hired. Well, if that was the data set used for the machine learning, then it might decide that women wouldn't be good in tech jobs. So there'd be a bias there. So one of the things with these AI systems, it really depends on the data and recognizing if there's biases, discrimination within it. I admit, it's pretty complicated stuff. Here's how David Weinberger, in his book, Everyday Chaos, describes the neural networks in more detail. He writes, deep learning finds relationships among pieces of data knowing nothing about what that data represents, just like in the car example. They didn't know what what a car is, what it's even doing. He continues, from this, it assembles a network of information points, each with a weighting that determines how likely the points it's connected to will fire, which in turn affects the points they're connected to, the way firing a neuron in a brain would. The system connects the nodes into a web of probabilistic dependencies and then uses that web an artificial neural network to refine the relationships again and again, just like we did in that car example. They would run it over and over again. The result is a network of data nodes, each with a weight that is used to determine whether the nodes it is connected to will activate. In this way, artificial neural networks are like the brain's very real neural network. Sometimes these systems will be able to report on what factors weighed the heaviest in a decision. But sometimes the answer will consist of the weightings of thousands of factors, with no one factor being dominant. These systems are likely to become more inexplicable as the models become more complex and as the models incorporate outputs from other machine learning systems. That's one of the challenges with these neural networks. Because they have a series of hidden layers, and it's essentially based on the weightings of these connections of the different nodes and neurons, It can't explain how it came up with the answer. But the systems seem to work. The question is, can they be used for investing? Let me pause here and share some words from this week's sponsors. If you've been using Mint to manage your finances, you know they shut down several months ago. Well, let me tell you about the budgeting solution, the financial tracking solution I've been using for the past number of months. It's Monarch Money. Monarch Money is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets like I've done. You can set goals, collaborate with your partner, 
And now you can get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com David. What I like about Monarch is the ability to customize what I want to see. I have custom budget categories, and then I can go on to the dashboard and see where I'm above trend on some of my spending. I especially like that Monarch will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying Monarch myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com David. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash David for your extended 30-day free trial. We have a brand new sponsor to our show. It's Yahoo Finance. Yahoo's been around for decades. My first email outside of work was a Yahoo email address. But the financial side, I've used on occasion primarily to get data for dividend histories for particular funds or ETFs. But I was pleasantly surprised to get back on Yahoo Finance to see how it's evolved over the years. Now it's really a financial dashboard where you can get an understanding of what's going on with the markets. There are relevant articles from Bloomberg, Reuters, the Associated Press, and the Yahoo Finance team. You can look at the economic events calendar and see which data series are being released that day and what the consensus is. You can see the pulse of the markets at any time by going to Yahoo Finance. In addition, you could see all of your investments in retirement accounts in one place. With Yahoo Finance, you get a consolidated view of multiple accounts. Yahoo Finance serves as a financial hub for your retirement accounts, but also comprehensive financial news and analysis. You need to check out Yahoo Finance, particularly if you haven't been there in a while. Check it out at yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. It's one thing to just focus on health, which some of the AI has been trained on health, predicting whether somebody is likely to get a particular disease. They've been used to some extent on weather, which is extremely complicated. But the financial markets are complex adaptive systems, which means there's a wide variety of interconnected inputs, and those inputs adapt and learn over time. It's a very, very complex system, and they're nonlinear, which means if there's a change in some of the inputs, you can get vastly different answers. There's a huge amount of unpredictability there. There are emergent properties, things that can't even imagine would happen. Weinberger says when small changes can have giant effects, even when we know the rules, we may not be able to predict the future. To know it, we have to live through it. That's why in the financial markets, histories don't repeat exactly. We've had a great example of this this year. Something that would seem relatively simple for AI to predict the direction of interest rates. They haven't been able to do that. Humans haven't been able to do that. There was a study, Wall Street Journal, I'll link to it in the show notes. If you don't already get my free insider's guide, go ahead and sign up and I'll just email those links to you each week along with a summary article or an essay I do each week on, on some topic related to money, investing in the economy. The best writing I do each week, I only send it to that email list so you can sign up at moneyfortherestofus.com. So this particular article in the Wall Street Journal, it showed the predictions of economists for what interest rates would be six months forward. So these were predictions made in January. 
what would the rate, interest rate be on the 10-year Treasury bond, the yield, in June? So today, June 2019. The lowest in the sample was 2.5%. The highest was about 3.75%. And then they were all over the place within that range. The yield is at 2.14%. Nobody was even close. It's hard. It's hard to make predictions. And in the article, it mentioned that some firms got it right. Western Asset Management, the bond firm. I used to use it my old investment advisory firm. Were they right because they were lucky? Was it gut feel? I don't think they used artificial intelligence. But when we talk about using AI for investing, it's a much more complicated problem than some of the other uses of AI. I looked through a book. It's called Inside the Black Box, A Simple Guide to Quantitative and High-Frequency Trading. It's by Rishi K. Narang. And he breaks down these black box, these quantitative models, some of which use artificial intelligence. And they have different components. The first one is what's known as the alpha model. And that's the part that, that we're most familiar with, where a service will rank stocks based on how likely they will to go up. And so the alpha model is seeking to predict the future performance of an investment security. And it can be based on certain inputs. It could be based on price inputs, so trend, the likelihood the stock will return to its average. It could be some technical aspects, such as the volume of trading, the volatility of price. So that's one aspect. And then you have fundamental criteria that are used as part of this alpha model. It could be value, the valuation of the stock, the growth, how quickly is it growing, the quality of the company. But that is just one aspect of it. These black boxes, these quantitative models, will also have a risk model component to limit exposure to to certain factors, things that could lead to losses. A third element, he points out, is what's known as the transaction cost model. Once you know what stocks are out there, potentially have very strong signals based on AI that they'll go up, you actually have to implement the trade. So there's commissions there. There's slippage by the time, how quickly does it, can it take to actually implement the trade once the model identifies this is an opportunity? There's usually some type of portfolio construction model component to it. How do you know which particular company to buy? What should the weights be? Is it equal weighted? Is it weighted based on which particular company has the strongest signal? And then there's an execution model actually implementing the trade. So you have all these aspects of the model. Typically for AI, we just think of the alpha model. Now, I tried this about a year and a half ago. A member of Money for the Rest of Us Plus had shared with me a particular service that you just found out about. It's called I Know First. They are a algorithm, a service that you can sign up as an individual, and they rank stocks based on their AI algorithm. And it will show for a particular stock the strength of its signal, and its correlation. How accurate has the model been in its prediction in the past? So I signed up. I'm going to give this a try. But it was only an alpha model. It had hundreds of stocks. It was updated daily. I was getting an email daily. I would download the spreadsheet. I would look at the top 20 holdings. But I needed to build 
the portfolio construction model. How many holdings should I have in my portfolio? What about the transaction cost? What's it going to cost me to implement this? What about the slippage? When was the model run and when was I able to actually implement it? Then I had to execute. Now, what I did is I went with Motif, got an account, and I created seven different portfolios of eight to 10 securities each. I equal weighted them. The signals I focused on, it was their signals for a three-month time window. So which particular stocks were most likely to increase in value over the next three months? And so I constructed a series of seven portfolios. And I ran it for three months. And it underperformed the S&P 500 by 4%. Now, it was only three months. I tried it out. One of the challenges with some of these AI services is there's just hundreds and hundreds of signals. It's not enough to just have a signal. You have to actually build a portfolio with it. Another service out there, I had a conference call with them last year. It's called Quantumize. Well, they say every month we rank 10,000 stocks from 30 countries using our proprietary big data multi-factor models. There's a Q-factor score they have, and it's assigned to each stock. So they're ranked A to F, and they have an AI multi-factor model. Their model is broken into four core groups, quality value, low volatility and momentum, growth and technical. So those are the inputs, and then it uses the AI algorithm. I'm not sure if it's a neural network type algorithm, but it scores or ranks stocks. They do the same thing for exchange-traded funds for cryptocurrencies. What's nice is they actually have some recommended portfolios. So you can implement it. So there, there is at least a portfolio model. Now, what's not there, they show performance. But the performance, and they're very upfront about this, are simulated systematic backtest with no transaction cost. So no live portfolio trade. So there's not a transaction cost model to what they're doing here. So if you were going to implement their portfolio suggestions, and they have, they have dozens of different portfolios, you're not, I mean, you have to actually implement it and get the trades in. And these things are updated daily. And so the turnover could be quite high. And that's one of the other challenges with the, the current systems that are out there. The turnover in the recommendations. Now they show performance, and you can see the performance for some of them over the past few years. With these services, it's difficult because, again, so many choices. How do you implement? The final option, though, is interesting. It's called Equibot, E-Q-U-B-O-T. They also say they have proprietary algorithms and multiple artificial intelligence cognitive computing platforms. Their technology, they say, is multi-stage and seeks to identify mispriced investments in the marketplace to optimize exposure, and then capitalize on the timing of those positions. We're able to combine both fundamental and quantitative analysis while formulating new investments insights through the use of AI. Now, they have actually all the model components that you would want for a systematic trading platform because they're running two exchange-traded funds. One is the AI-powered equity ETF, AIEQ, it started October 2017. 
The other is the AI-powered international equity ETF, AIIQ, started the same month, October 2017. So you can actually invest in an AI ETF. The U.S. version has an expense ratio of 0.77%, and it's returned 8.6% annualized. Relative to the S&P 500, had you invested $10,000 in this particular ETF in October 2017, it would have grown to $11,301. The S&P 500 would have grown to $11,602. That's through June 7th. So the S&P beat it, but it's only been a year and a half. There are 128 holdings. Turnover, again, 260%. So on an after-tax basis, it would have underperformed by a greater amount. The international version has 150 stocks. It's returned negative 0.9% since inception. Both models have done very well year-to-date. Both are outperforming their respective benchmarks. So that's interesting. So you can actually experiment with AI by investing in an ETF. I admit, though, I'm skeptical. Now, there's algorithms out there. There's certainly hedge funds doing it. But to be able as an individual to use AI to successfully invest, I think is very difficult. I think it's very difficult for hedge funds because, again, we're dealing with complex adaptive systems. The system is changing all the time, which means you need to be constantly updating your model. You got to keep feeding it data to train it. So this is very, very labor intensive. It's extremely difficult to predict what's going to happen with the market, even with artificial intelligence. My solution is I don't focus on trying to get better at predicting. I want to focus on harm, getting out of the way, making sure that I'm not overly exposed to bad things happening. I don't want my success as an investor to be dependent on being precisely right. We talked about interest rates last week. I don't want my success to be dependent on whether interest rates rise or fall and I accurately predict what will happen. Instead, I want to take the signals that we have, the inputs that we have, and to come up with reasonable return expectations based on what's happening. I want to look at how I'm being compensated for the risk I'm taking. And the primary way we're compensated is through income. What's the yield we're getting? What's the dividend yield on stocks or REITs or MLPs? What's the interest rate on bonds? What am I getting paid for the risk I'm taking? How fearful or greedy are investors? Are they placing a premium on that income and bidding it up so the yields are lower? Or are they fearful? And I can buy a particular investment at a very cheap price. So I don't have to worry so much about Yep, bad things could happen, but there's more margin of safety. What about the risk in terms of the economy? Is the economy slowing based on survey data and other indicators that suggest probably not a great time to be taking massive risk? So it's all about not predicting, but looking at current conditions and looking at our exposure or harm if things don't go as planned. That's how I invest. I feel much better investing like that. There are those trying to do it and be better at predicting using artificial intelligence. 
machine learning. I think it's difficult to do. I think in other domains, they're getting better at it. Self-driving cars, it's coming along. Other aspects, healthcare, it's coming along. We have a long way to go, but it's a fascinating topic to see how it develops over time. That's episode 256. Show notes are at moneyfortherestofus.com. Everything I've shared with you in this episode has been for general education. I'm not considered your specific risk situation. I've not provided investment advice. Simply general education on money, investing, and the economy. Have a great week.